Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. I say it's afternoon because it's afternoon here where we are, which is on our way back from the place. I'm Spice. I'm Salty, and you are listening to the 3BY Podcast. On conservationism and prepping. Conservation. Those are, those are two things that often, you know, don't really go together in people's mind, which is kind of a shame because they're, uh, conservationism is a form of prepping, whether people realize it or not. So we are what we would consider conservationists. And we are preppers, too. Now, I know some of you listening out here think we're, we are uh, also what's known as tree huggers. But if you had seen the slaughter, <laughs> the absolute <laughs> slaughter of, trees. of the trees that we just participated in. Our very own trees. Our very own trees. We are tree murderers. We didn't murder them. We mutilated them. We, we put out a hit on them. I mean, we put out a hit on our trees. And they are, the trees are laying, well, not all of our trees, obviously, but the wrong trees are laying in tattered shreds all over <laughs> both of the clearings on our places. Man, we went to war against the invasive cedars. Well, they're invasive on our land. They're not really invasive, but... They're not an invasive species in the sense that my biologist self despises. But, but they, they were colonizing a place where we didn't want them. We're, the place where we are reintroducing, well, helping to reintroduce, because it's still partially there, an original prairie. We have a, we have a, long, a tall grass prairie remnant on our place. Not sure if it was an actual remnant from way back when or if it just arised during a clear-cutting of our place, which was done, I'd say, what, 40 years ago? Is that what it looks like on our place? When, when, when were we clear-cut? The conservation guy thinks we weren't necessarily clear-cut. He thinks okay. it's just too dense. All right. Well, That's something we're going to address later. Yes, tree density is another thing. So, conservation, why is a prepper tearing down the woods? Well, because we the, want to restore a tall grass prairie. Now, why would we do that? What does that have to do with, you know, feeding our families in a, if times get bad? Well, because animals like it. And animals are tasty. <laughs> the animals we would be wanting to eat need to have a place to live now if we're going to be eating them later. It really is just that simple. Well, it's not quite that simple. There's more to it than that. So I'm going to turn it over to the family biologist Spice, and she's going to tell you why keeping a good ecosystem, even if you don't have a place of your own, you have a yard or you have a you know you have input in the local situation why keeping a good ecosystem in in and around you will help you prep the basic idea is to sustain a community of plants and animals that you'd be able to use for your own needs and they use it for their needs and it ends up being more effective for everybody, but those kind of habitats don't just happen. Uh, what we had here is, at some point in the past, the place had been used as pasture to run cattle. 
they have it fenced. There was a little bitty pond that would be suitable only for providing water to cattle that somebody had built. Uh, there had been a, the occasional structure here or there. And uh, it really wasn't a very good spot to run cattle, so eventually they gave up on it and let it go back to seed. So what we had was a couple of clearings on the ridgetops and a whole bunch of uh, hardwood forest on the lower areas. Not not high-quality hardwood forest, just typical Missouri scatterwood. Yeah. There's some good trees in there, but not, a, you know, we're gonna improve scatterwood. It. It's, it's not great. We're going get to get it improved. So the place does have a decent population of deer and turkey to begin with. Really nice. But it section. can be better. Hmm? Yeah, really nice population of turkey. Yeah. We also have pheasants. Occasionally we have quail on the borders. Um, certainly we have small predators, coyotes and foxes. <laughs> Last year we, we, we were, uh, we, we pulled it out of the place and we saw this beautiful fox running right in front of us. And he, that fox was kind of slinking past us during the middle of the day, looking at us like, who are you and why are you here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, was, dude, it was funny. You can just it's read his face. Come like, on. You don't belong here. I live here. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful guy. But here's the thing. If we had tended to nothing except building our little cabin and uh, doing the orchard of fruit trees and done nothing with the wilder parts of the place, in another 10 years, which might be when we're needing it, who knows, we would have maybe half as many deer and turkey. The quail would be gone. The pheasants would be gone. We wouldn't have any fish. We wouldn't have a reliable water supply. We wouldn't have a, well, we would have a good firewood supply. That, that would take care of itself. We wouldn't have uh, wild foods available from, that, from the patch. And because of the kind of maintenance we're doing, what we can look at is pond full of fish, walnut and acorn trees that are providing a, a reliable crop of nuts as long as the weather is somewhat decent over the course of the year. For both us and the wildlife. Yeah. Deer and turkey. Uh, we've got the uh, cattails in the ponds, if we want a little starch in the diet. Big patches of uh, beautiful wild blackberries. Uh, quail and pheasant will still be expected to be there. We've got a spot that's likely to uh, attract some waterfowl. So both we can keep ducks, which is something I might do when we're out there more full-time, is keep ducks, or just shoot ducks who wander by in the fall, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. As well as getting, there's plenty of medicinal plants I've seen out there if we want those as well, and the other odd stray food plants in there, like we've got some wild strawberries growing out there and some elderberries in other words, it's a much wider variety of sources and wider variety of uh, materials than we would have had if we just let nature take its course, if now, you want to call it that. A, here's the thing. For those of you who are not familiar with wildlife and wildlife management, wildlife need the same things that you and I need. They need food. They need shelter. And they need an environment that is conducive to doing the things that they do. And all of this is generated 
by what's known as edges. We need edges for wildlife to really flourish. We need to not only have the trees, but we need to have an edge where the trees go into grassland. We need to have food available for that those animals. Plus, they have to have the different... Each, each animal has its own little niche, and the edges create a boundary zone where they can, the animals can all interact and go across and, and get food and get shelter because some of them in the summer they'll use deer will use the high grass as their bedding place and we had several trampled down bedding places the deer are probably fairly annoyed with me right now yes they're probably very unhappy with <laughs> us. they'll live they'll get over it um yeah they're, uh, the thing we is have plenty of places around us that have uh food so this is this is what you're looking at you're looking at okay they, they need to have food check they need to have water check they need to have shelter. Check. You know, they need to have... They like convenience. They like it. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll hang out more in places that are convenient for them. We've got places where they can go among their food sources and not have to walk through really difficult to move through trees. If you think of a deer with a big rack, a nice big buck, yeah, he actually has trouble moving through tight trees because so of that rack. That's one of our future things is we're going to start clearing out some of the uh, piddly trees. Let's call them piddly trees. We're going to thin the trees. It'll increase the health of the trees that are that we want to keep. Clear out the understory so it's easier to walk in the woods. Uh, and clear. the remaining trees will make more acorns. And frankly, we'll get a big pile of firewood, too. So there's Yeah, that. <laughs> that too. So, yeah, those, those trees will become our firewood. It's all about diversity because those animals that, if we want to have them for food, they've got to live out there 24-7. They've got to live out there 12 months a year. If it was all one or a small number of species of plants out there, they'd come into fruit all at the same time, and then there'd be nothing to eat the rest of the year. What the edges do is they create a whole lot more species, and different things come into season at different times of the year. We keep the invasive species out. That's another piece of the puzzle. So the species that are around are the ones that the animals are capable of eating and and know how to make use of and will make use of. So if we keep the habitat healthy, it's not only better for them and more pleasant to hang out in, it's better for us as preppers as well. I think we don't, one of the things we don't do on 3BY is we don't do politics. We don't do it at all. It's just not what we do. But I do want to touch on something here. I'm not going to take a political stand at all. I want to touch on something here, which I think is one of the reasons why we don't do politics. Spice and I both have a very firm view, a firm take on the whole global global warming controversy. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, because that's not the point. Okay? My point is the, the global warming controversy really, really hurts actual physical down-to-earth conservation because it distracts and takes away from what we can do as individuals today. You know, people will sit around and they'll argue the politics of global warming. And it's true. Whichever side you're on, there is a political agenda on all sides for the global warming. It doesn't matter when the rubber hits the road because that is what it is. And there's nothing that we as individuals can do about any of it. 
because that's beyond the pale of our circle of influence and we just can't do anything about it. But what we can do is set aside our views on the global warming, whatever, doesn't matter, and take a look at what we have in our own yard, in our own community. We could take a look at what we're doing personally to make the world a cleaner, better, and more efficient place to live just simply because it makes more sense. And frankly, it costs less money to be conservative with, with stuff. You know, you spend, you get, buy a more gas efficient vehicle, you spend less money on gas. I mean, this is not a, it's, it just makes economic sense. So when you hear us talking about conservation, do not think we mean we're talking about the big macro overall tree hugging. Like, so we, we prove we're not tree huggers today. <laughs> you should, well, I'll put pictures. There, there's no tree hugging here. These things died a horrible, yeah, actually, they, they died a very sudden, painless death because trees don't feel pain. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's, what we did, we brought in a, we did not do this ourselves because we, it would have taken don't us have a year one of these pieces to of do this. I've cut down some of the trees out there by hand with a handsaw and well, let me tell you, you don't get that kind of carnage out of me, and not in my whole life. We worked hard for the money to pay the guy <laughs> who came in with this big, humongous, tree-eating thing. And just in a day, annihilated about 15 acres worth of... About two acres. Oh, no. That big thing's a lot bigger than two acres. Well, it was about two acres when he started. It's more than that now. Hmm? It's more than that now. Oh, but, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe ten acres. Because, I mean, that's, there's quite a bit of land there. But anyway. The, She's not going to have two acres. Ten acres, two acres, ten acres. <laughs> We're not going to sit here and back I have no idea how much. A whole bunch of land. Yeah. It's, it's a lot bigger clearing than it was. And it's Because, of course, after, once it had been abandoned... Trees started to come in from the edges, and then a few seeds that landed in the middle started trees in the middle. And they weren't the big, beautiful white oak trees no. that no. are very good for nurturing wildlife and we would have liked to have left. They were the scrubby little cedars and shingle oaks and locusts and stuff like that. They're kinds of trees that aren't very good at field at uh, feeding wildlife. No, they're they're actually the, what they what they call transitional trees because they'll go they'll end up going away to the big good trees eventually. Yeah. You know they'll be they'll be replaced by a good oak stand or. Now cedars and things have their value, but we've got plenty left. We've oh, got acres and acres and acres, acres of acres woods left untouched. So, as I told the uh, tree guy, as I was explaining what we needed done, we have plenty of forest at the place. We have more than. Uh, more than 10 acres of untouched forest left on there. Your math it's is the prairie. The, the I, that's because I'm not arguing about it. <laughs> Roll with it. We're good. Uh, we got a whole bunch of forest left. What we wanted to keep was the stuff we had least of. And that was the open land. That was the uh, prairie remnant. And because of the way we thought it through and set it up to do it, 
we now have a beautiful shooting alley for deer and right in the place the deer are likely to want to come out and uh, eat the blackberries in the fall and things like that. And we've got a beautiful shooting lane for the turkey who really liked that uh, clearing before we tore out the scrubby trees and will like it again probably in another year after it recovers a little from the shock of having this behemoth machine roll over it and tear the trees and destroy things. everything it's like yeah uh now we're gonna have to do prairie management we're gonna have to do a burn we also cleaned out the area around the cabin to uh we want to kill off the fescue for many reasons one of the least of which it's highly unproductive for food growth and the cabin is our zone, our, our zone in for growing food. We want to grow. We want to plant more stuff around the cabin, and so we're going to go in with the help of a conservation agent who knows what he's doing, and we're going to spray grass killer for killing warm season grasses like fescue on that this fall. Yeah, he tells me if you spray at the right time of year, the invasive species get hit because they're in their most vulnerable state. The, and the prairie species are not much affected because they are not very active at that particular time of year. And we have quite a bit of prairie species mixed in there. Yeah. So we're just going to discourage the invasive guys and encourage the prairie species. And I'll be back in the spring continuing my project of putting in more perennial food plants. We will have, a, we will have some work days out there over the winter when it's, when it's decent of picking up some of the larger chunks of wood. Because there's a lot of wood out there. There's a lot yeah, of wood. they look like great kindling. Yeah, a lot of cedar, a lot of cedar. And cedar doesn't deteriorate all that fast. Of course, we're going to burn, so uh, we'll burn it in the spring. Again, with the help of a bunch of people who know what they're doing, we're not going to just set our place on fire. You know, we'll probably even have the fire fire department out there and whatever it needs to be done. Um, and we'll we'll document all this, and you, you'll you'll all be a part of it. Yep. So it'll all be tagged the place. The place. That's right. For the podcast and the uh, journal entries. So, about the only site. other thing I have to to say on on what we were doing and and uh, the place and stuff like that is, there's so much that everybody, even if you just have a suburban yard, can do to help keep native species healthy. Choose native species that provide food either for you or for wildlife or both. That fit in your homeowners association permit. Yeah, a lot of these are are beautiful and gorgeous. Nobody would object to them at all. They're just maybe not as well known because they you know maybe can't go to the big box stores and find them all labeled. Here is what grows naturally in your area. Nah, they get some uh, Japanese maple and they ship it out all over the country and. Try and encourage you to plant that because it's easy for them. But there are lots of places, no matter where you live, where you can find native species. They work well in your habitat. They can take extremes of weather. So whatever you think about climate change, extreme weather is going to come every now and then anyway. You'll be getting species that are able to uh, tolerate that. You'll be keeping away the invasive species that tend to be bad for wildlife species it just keeps the community healthier and therefore provides more food for everybody no matter how many legs or whether they have feathers or arms 
That's right. Everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs to eat. So we just thought we'd give you this little bit of update. And, and again, I, I just want to come back to the one thing of, of look, you can be a conservationist and a conservation-minded person no matter your political viewpoint because being a conservationist and somebody who cares about the environment is not political. It is in your own self-interest. It is in your motivated self-interest. I keep coming back to motivated self-interest. It should motivate you because it's the right thing to do, not only for the environment, but for you as well. So just, just be a little selfish. And by being selfish, look out for ways to increase the environment around you because this is the world you live in. It only makes sense for you to help have it be a more successful, more prosperous place. If you've got a valuable resource at hand, you protect the resource rather than letting it be degraded. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not talking about anything political about that. We're not talking about anything political. But so much of the time, people get all caught up in the they hear the word conservation, they're immediately like, "Oh, drill that oil, run that pipe." Forget about that stuff. I'm talking about prune back those extra trees. You know. Plant the right kind don't of... Don't plant autumn olive. Don't plant autumn olive unless you live where it, it's native. and Or I bamboo. Uh, I don't even know where it's native at. Not nowhere near here. here. <laughs> Not around here. Don't, yeah. Yeah, don't go out and plant a bunch of invasive species. If you get a choice, choose something you can eat. Because fl- apple, apple plants look beautiful. The flowers in the spring, nobody complains about apple unless you let the apples lay on the ground and rot, and then they probably would, but... Apple trees are beautiful, and you know. So think about this stuff. Think about this stuff. Anything else, Dad? It's a beautiful planet. Why not keep it? Sure. Why not? Spice out. Okay. We're out. Bye.